We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Greetings, everybody. We are back on our Tuesday night podcast. Fred Zinke and I, the man in front of the doorknob. We're going to talk about uh, projections, how to go about doing them, how we're preparing for this season, lessons learned, and the first round player that Fred Zinke will not draft here on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It is brought to you this year, not by one sponsor, but by two sponsors, both by uh, Underdog Fantasy and Fantrax. So we'll be uh, sharing what they have to offer, but we appreciate their sponsorship. Uh, and, of course, we're always on the Blue Wire Network as well. I'm Jeff Erickson. He's Fred Zinke. Fred, what's going on? How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, end of a long day today, but I'm excited to talk baseball for – I know – I was on serious with you the other day, but I'm excited to talk baseball for an extended period of time for the first time in a few months. I've had all these random baseball thoughts over the last few weeks and no one to share them with. My family doesn't really want to hear them. So, right. Right. And (laughs) so now I understand them anyhow. I mean, you just be talking, that's like talking to your dog, you know, it's like, you know, do that. Um, So yeah, I'm, well, I'm excited as well. And yes, I just did a three hour serious XM show. So if I'm a little loopy, so be it, but uh, that's why I'm just going to rely on you, Fred Zinke, as the expert here. But uh, let's start off with just there's a lot of changes in baseball mm-hmm. right now this year. There's rule changes. Uh, there's a normal spring training. That is a change. Yep. You know, the fact that we have normalcy is different. So I'm excited about that. So tell me, uh, like, how are you preparing this year? How is it different than uh, your preparation from future from previous years? You know, I guess I guess my process isn't that different. It's just going to have to have more factors, you know, put into it. Like I'm still making project. I've still made projections for each player, about 500 players, one player at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, I did find this year's process more daunting, um, a little slower because of the rule changes. Um, I do always complain about how we just can't have a normal baseball season. Now it's going on about three years in a row, whether it's the shortened season or the season after the shortened season or the season with no spring training hardly. And like, I just would like to have a th- next year. Next year is going to be our year, Jeff, where we're going to have this year a regular year and then next year a regular year with the same rules for once. But um, we will, there'll be more new rules. Don't there probably yourself. will be something. But that, that's with. normal. Every league, every sport almost always has some sort of rule change that we have to adapt to. There, in baseball, there's always going to be one or two parks that change. 
But this so that, is a, but this is big yeah, this year. It is big this year. You're right. Uh, and one thing I, I didn't mention in our article, it's up on Rotowire. You can check it out right now. And if you don't have uh, an access to Rotowire, just go to rotowire.com slash try, unlock that paywall, check it out. Uh, but there's rule changes. There's park changes. There's also the WBC, which I haven't, right. I've heard so little talk from in the, in the fantasy sphere about the, the impact of the WBC, which we haven't had for a while. You know, COVID wiped out the last WBC. So, we have to adjust to that too. And I, I've heard very little talk about that. Maybe I'm just not listening for it, but that's also going to have an impact on us. And I didn't even need to touch on that. I agree. I think back when we didn't have massive rule changes every year and COVID <laughs> and strikes and things like that, back then when we had the WBC, it was a hot topic as to which pitchers were pitching in it and how that might impact their seasons. Uh, now I find that's just like a pebble in the ocean at this point where we're trying to figure out so many other things that you're right. We haven't, no, I, I don't find anyone's really digging in on the, on the WBC. Maybe that'll happen more in March. It, it probably will. But, but right now I think we're just at an earlier stage where we're trying to get our head around. First of all, you know, who's going to fare better or worse independent of the rule changes this year and then how the rule changes are going to impact individual. There's two things, you know, how the rule changes are going to fact impact the entire fantasy landscape and then beyond that how it will impact each individual player and and doing that when i was working on projections like i'm sure i didn't get it right i don't think anyone's going to get it right um i tried to i'm trying to get it as right as i possibly can and if you know if i find new information uh about the rule changes i've already found some information if i found new information i'll continue to tweak all the way up until you know my first draft or my last i guess so my last draft is done yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So let's let's go through the rule changes. Um, I started off with the balanced schedule, as is, is, is a pretty big deal. Uh, yeah. It affects you guys, the Blue Jays. Um, you get sure does. AL East. I mean, well, it affects everybody, but the AL East you figure is going to benefit from that, mm-hmm. uh, because there's you know fewer games in the AL East. But then again, you beat the heck out of Boston last year. The Blue Jays actually had a winning record in division last year, so. It may not help people, the Blue Jays as much as people think, uh, but you know the Boston just got slaughtered in the AL East last year. It's going to help them a lot, uh, but it's a big deal. So what it is is every you know used to have 19 games against every divisional opponent. We're now going to have 13 games against every divisional opponent. 24 fewer divisional games. It's a big deal. I for me, I factored that a little more in. I would say know a lot more in with pitchers than I did with hitters. I didn't Mm -hmm. factor it in as much with hitters. I factored it in more with pitchers and you're right. It is a, it seems like it will be a win uh, for the AL East pitchers with Baltimore's park trending more pitcher friendly last season. Like it used to be that the, that the AL East had four parks that were either hitter friendly or neutral, and maybe even a little on the positive side of neutral mm-hmm. for hitters. Uh, Roger center is like pretty neutral right now, but me, like you could maybe argue it's a little hitter friendly, but maybe more neutral, but you know, now we're down to that division, just having three, but either way that division traditionally is loaded with pretty good lineups. So uh, it is, I, I treated it, you know, more as uh, something helpful for maybe helpful for pitchers in that division. Uh, maybe harmful for pitchers in some of the weaker divisions who will now have to play, you know, more out of division games. But I didn't, to be honest, I didn't make major switches 
at all. Like they, there would be very, very small tweaks based on the, on the balance schedule. Jeff, did you make big changes to anyone's projection on that? I didn't, I, that one for me wasn't a huge factor. No, I haven't. And in fact, I, and I didn't make big changes in any of them, uh, to be honest. Right. I made little incremental changes here and there. Uh, you know, one of the things I would point out in the article is like Joe, uh, Clay Link was, uh, is taking the Joe Sheehan approach that these new rule changes are going to make less of an impact than people think. Uh, mm-hmm. Team players adapt. Teams adapt. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, defensively, there, there's we'll, we'll talk about the specifics of the shift change momentarily, but you know it. They'll they'll find other ways to deploy their era fielders to to max out because they're not going to go with the you know they're not going to be content with just saying okay well I'll throw up our hands we have to have this least efficient defensive alignment no they're going to be creative with it still they'll find ways maybe when the player releases a p- pitcher releases a pitch a player will sprint to his position you know maybe uh you know I see I saw the Chicago t- sometimes the White Sox might dabble with f- putting in an outfielder like in short right or something like that. And they've got two other fast outfielders like there. Luis Robert covers a ton of ground. The Tampa Bay Rays cover tons of ground with their outfielders. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Blue Jays went out and made a point of getting guys with more range in the outfield. Mm-hmm. And they changed their dimensions. And, you know, and they're asymmetrical and all that. Going and getting Kevin Kiermeyer and Dalton Barshow, they're, they're anticipating doing some funky things, I'm sure. Yep. Um, and I, I'm sure that will happen. So, Long-winded way of saying no. I didn't have a drastic adjustment. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I do kind of feel like smart organizations will continue to be smart, if that makes sense. You know, teams like the Dodgers and the Astros, the Rays seem to really understand how to maximize defense with the rules they had in the past few years. Uh, I think they'll continue to find ways to maximize defense. Now, the way they, the degree to which they can maximize defense may be a little smaller, but it'll be smaller for every team. But I still think that smart organizations will, we will see as the season goes on that smart organizations will be a little ahead of the curve, maybe from some of the other organizations. I do, right. I would, I am willing to kind of bet on that when I, like when I was looking at pitchers, so for example, when looking at Dodgers pitchers and like their ability to limit, uh, you know, base runners the last couple of years, especially last year was, was tremendous, right? The shifts are the lack of shifting ability is going to hurt that. But I was like, oh, this is still a really smart organization who knows how yeah. to get the most out of their pitchers and defense. I think that in comparison to other major league teams, they'll still find ways to, to get the most out of it. Um, so, so I, I didn't go, you're right. I didn't go overboard on that. Um, but I do think like I do, there are going to be more stolen bases this year. Yeah. I do think there'll sure. be a few more base hits this year. Uh, one thing I did differently when I did my projections uh, this year, I, I did pitchers first. I always have done hitters first going all the way back to, I forget the first year I did a, a set of projections, probably about 2005. Okay. Four, maybe even earlier, maybe 2000. It might've been the first year I did my own projections. Um I did. I always do hitters first. This year, I did pitchers first because I found the hitters with the rule changes harder to do. So I decided to kind of just wade in first with the pitchers, where the pitchers are going to be affected. But I, with the pitchers, I'm still really looking at pitcher skills uh, and not as much at the rule changes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I kind of alternate. I don't really have a set way. I you know right. sometimes I'll do pitchers first. Sometimes I'll do hitters first. Whichever way I feel like is less intimidating, 
that's the yeah. way I'll go. But, if the yeah. pitchers, at least you're doing four, you're tip, kind of doing four categories instead of five. Yeah. So even that makes it just a little faster. And, and the wins category for starters is it's hard to spend too much time on the wins category, right? Like, like m- mostly I will project pitcher wins and then go back. What I'll do is I'll project pitcher wins. And then when I'm done, I'll go back and sort the pitchers by wins and then look for pitcher win totals that seem out of sync. Right. Where I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I've got this pitcher p- predicted for less innings and the same ERA on a worse team, but somehow, you know, just as many wins as this other pitcher. So I need to kind of rectify that. Like, uh, like, because projecting pitcher wins is such a crapshoot that, um, that I'll, I'll kind of throw a total in there and then I'll try to just kind of even them up where my workhorses who are, you know, have a low projected ERA. They're at the top of my, my win totals and then work my way down from there. So really with the starters, you're more putting a lot of thought into three or four categories, like, like, like ERA whip strikeouts and strikeouts is obviously in relation to innings. Um, And then the relievers, I not, I don't put a lot of thought into their wins either because they're so fickle. Um, I kind of just give all the closers the same win total, although closers who I expect to be healthy all year, the same win total, some of the middle relievers, I'll give a higher win total too. But so pitchers, I find you can go through faster, whereas hitters, you have to look at all five categories. And then sometimes some hitters, you can kind of skip steals because they don't really do that. But then this year with steals coming in, I did have to think a little more on some of the hitters to say, sure. oh, this guy, I would normally just put a two for this guy. But do I think maybe he'll, he'll run a little bit more. So, cause there is a difference as you well, know, yeah. and your final SGPs, like if I do put a two or a five. Oh, that's a huge difference. Total. That's right. It's, it's a massive difference. Right. Same thing with wins. So going back to that, I was going to yes. say that like, Oh, it's huge. You give a guy 14 wins instead of 12. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I mean, that yeah. that's, that's a big leap in, in, in the uh, rankings. And conversely, you give it's... them eight instead of 10. Uh, you know, it's a big, a big drag on his rank. Uh, and yep. you know, the, the thing is, it's just that fickle though. I mean, and yeah, you can deal with like, okay, they're, they're the raise. Kevin cash is going to pull your guy in the fifth inning more than other teams. So then even though he's got great skills, he's on a good team. He might not be in line for the win. Other managers might manage more to the win. I think as we've gone deeper into the sabermetric revolution, there are more, more managers like cash and fewer, that managed to the win. Uh, you know, I wanted to make sure he could stick around and get the win. You know, you don't get that five or six innings, you know, you know, complete this. Like it's not a round number. It doesn't matter. You know, it's like, it's just whenever you, you need is the optimal situation to replace him. That's when you replace him. Um, I don't know if the current rules are going to change that at all, but I, I, don't, I don't think they are. Or I they don't think change. so either. The, yeah. the only rule that could impact it and we'll see, I don't think it's going to impact it much will be the time like the pitch clock and the time. Oh, I think it's going to be a bigger deal than you think. You do, I, I think speak. the pitch clock might be the biggest one of them all. So you think that will, do you think that will fatigue the starters quicker? Yes, I do. Right. I, I, I think, you know, I, I think a couple of things are going to happen. Yes. Uh, and it's, it's end of games for sure. It's going to change things. Closers, relievers, high leverage situations, you know, things mm-hmm. sh- shut down in those situations. It won't here. And we're going to see that it's going to make me gnarl my teeth when a game, get, there's a walk off walk because of a pitch clock violation or, or a clut or a huge strikeout where a batter doesn't get in the box in time. Both pitchers and batters are guilty of this. Um, I think that will change things a little bit there. We saw a little bit in the Arizona fall league when they tried to implement it a year and a half ago. Uh, and you know, this past year as well, I think they'll get used to it and there'll be some interruptions, but there were, I was reading an article saying there was basically like 
it averaged about, I think, a half a violation per game. So okay. it, it might not be the violations, but it's going to speed it up a little bit there. I think, you know, Kenley Jansen, for instance, was the slowest pitcher in baseball. No, he's going to get a little bit more fatigued. And that late inning velocity matters so much. much. And they're not going to hold runners on as as adequately. And he's already bad at holding runners on. So I think those two things, I think, will change things a little bit. Um, Because let's face it, the battle is always with the strike zone. It's always with the balls and strikes, making contact, all that. If if it does fatigue pitchers more, that's the change that we're looking for there. At first, I I didn't think – I was under the it doesn't matter – precept and now i think that i'm kind of changing my tune a little bit there i think it might matter i could see it mattering more for the relievers for the closers yeah uh than for the starters i do think the starters because they throw so many pitches they'll get used to it and they'll get in a groove and they'll have a rhythm now that rhythm might be a little bit faster for a few of them than it was in previous years right. and and pitching is basically just like a form of, of weightlifting or exercise right and if you take something that you do like weightlifting even if it's lightweights if you're doing it in a repetitive motion if you just reduce your rest time you get tired faster right no matter how mm-hmm. much you reduce it but you're just reducing an exercise you know movement you're reducing the rest in between it so i i could see it but i could see the starters just getting into a rhythm and maybe that rhythm is one or two seconds faster than the rhythm used to be the relievers especially the closers there's not as much of a rhythm to it and right. each each pitch means more they're max right? effort like when, guys i mean right. you get the and, ryan helsley's of the world that throw 103 or whatever and you yes know, and Ryan Helsley might come in and throw 15 pitches. There's no, there's not a lot of rhythm to that. And each pitch, what, which pitch it is. And, you know, and th- like you said, throwing it for max velocity, all those things really matter. So I could see it impacting the, re- and, and the pressure of it, especially you get those relievers or those closers protecting a one run lead. And all of a sudden there's a guy on base and normally they would really take their time and really think, and the crowd would be really into it. So the ump wouldn't push the pace and now that none of that will be possible. So they're going to have to keep, you know, keep moving. So I could see it impacting the relievers more uh, than the starters, but at the same time, like it's so hard, you, you can go off, like you say, Kenley Jansen, for example, maybe a few stick out um, in general, I guess I'm still looking for relievers. Maybe, maybe it means you shouldn't, shouldn't push as much as many of your chips into the reliever pile as usual. If you think that, that it's going to impact because I was going to say maybe you just chase the relievers then with the best skills, right? Like that they're the ones have a little more right. margin for error. At the same time, it may not. If Edwin Diaz, for example, I'm just pulling him off the top of my head. If he was really impacted by this, all of a sudden maybe he doesn't have these amazing skills because he has to pitch quicker, you know, in a, in key situations, and then because he has to pitch quicker, uh, he walks walks more batters or something like that. So uh, the relievers, right. I think it'll have a bigger impact. I agree. Maybe we see even more bullpen by committee because now it's harder to do max effort or maybe, you know, it's more that workout is more taxing on them. Uh, By the way, uh, James Anderson in the article mentions uh, names like some of the slowest ones. He goes, Kenley Jansen, Giovanni Gallegos, Kyle Finnegan, Devin Williams, and Aroldis Chapman make up five of the seven longest average pitch tempos in baseball. Uh, Starters that might be affected more, Shohei, Luis Garcia, Corbin Burns, Yu Darvish, and Alec Manoa. Hey, those are those are some significant names there. Pretty good names uh, there. Yeah. yeah. So that could be problematic there. And he said the same thing. It might be it's a rhythm thing. It, you know, and they might get hurt trying to stay on rhythm or being out of rhythm. You know, it's mm-hmm. 
it's something to watch for. They they uh, will have spring training, right? To especially the starters, I think, like in their spring training starts to work on it, right? So let's say Corbin Burns has to to tighten up his his delivery time by a second or two. Like I feel like these guys coming out of the spring, I think teams will have smart teams again will have a plan um, to work on that, and I I do feel like by the time we get to the season, they'll have adjusted. Yeah, we'll see if it impacts, like you said, their velocity a little bit because that does have a big impact. I did think about also with pitchers, uh, not to like just wander too far in this discussion, but I did find with pitchers too, I thought about walk rates, um, mm-hmm. especially with starters, because I thought, okay, so we're limiting the shifts. So we're not going to get as maybe catch as many breaks to strand runners as we did right. before. And uh, and we got to work a little faster. So if we're maybe a little more tired, maybe we, we don't get that big, strikeout we need to get out of a jam um and the bases are a little bigger so you know and we got the holding runners problem with the pickoffs so maybe it's a little harder to keep someone at first base so one thing i thought is maybe the guys who in the last few years have pitched around shaky control where it's like oh he walks too many batters but you know what he gets a lot of strikeouts and he gets you know plenty of ground balls or something or um and you know because of that a lot of he's got a bit of a high whip, but they don't come around to score. Maybe this year, a few more of them come around to score. For sure. So I, I'm a little wary of of guys where I'm concerned about the walk rate. Yeah. The other thing I want to dig into a little bit is you know in the past the shift helps like teams cover for bad bad fielders or fielders with yep. poor range. Yep. I need to dig into that a little bit more, um, especially like infielders with bad range. I'm thinking like Brandon Lau, for instance. Maybe he maybe he has better range than I'm giving him credit for, but. We're going to really see that, you know, range numbers could have been fooled a little bit because they were properly positioned and maybe now they're not as such. I mean, they're still going to shift a little bit there. It's just where you leave the holes are a little bit different. You're going to get that shortstop that stands right at second base, but there's going to be a little bit of a bigger gap between the second baseman and the shortstop than there otherwise would have been instead of having a big gap on the left side of the field. Yep, absolutely. It's a good point. And like you said, kind of in your intro, my Blue Jays out of all the teams seem to be the one that really prioritized improving their outfield defense. Yeah, um, they, they like purposely built a worse offense this year by adding Kiermaier and Varsho and getting rid of Teoscar and Guriel. Um, and this, and this, like, that's a, I, I think that's a worse. Guriel like, was not a positive offensive player last year. Probably still better than Kevin Kiermaier, though. True, but Varsha is pretty darn good. And, then and he Teoscar, gives them some righty-lefty balance. Yeah, and then Teoscar, I think, is a better hitter like than Dalton Varsha. Let's well, get I agree the, with you on the that. The fantasy and the catching and whatever. But um, yeah. adding Brandon Belt's good, I think. Mm-hmm. If he's healthy, is good for their offense. But but they seem to swing. I think the Jays felt like they had pushed themselves as far as they could with, an, with a team that was mostly offense, mediocre pitching, and mediocre defense and it was time to become more balanced and maybe even swing a little more by adding Chris Bassett, Eric Swanson, and then the the two elite defensive outfielders to, to move in that direction. And I think that is related to the, the changes in the rules and that they want three outfielders who can kind of stand on their own two feet and manage themselves without the aid of massive shifts. And like you said, maybe it frees them up to have defenses in certain ways where George Springer moves into kind of a weird spot. And they're just going to give Kiermaier and Varsho like to try things and give Kiermaier and Varsho a little more room to cover against certain hitters. So um, it'll be interesting to see, like you said, like remember the Phillies last year where the Phillies, what was the comment last year? I think if we're hitting really well, our team will play better defense. 
Remember that when they added <laughs> Nick Castellanos in there? That was that was the that was the quote. Is something to that effect? I think our team will hit better if or play better defense if we're hitting really well. Which I got, I understood what he was talking about. He was saying, you know, if we're hitting really well, we'll be in games, we'll be focused, we'll be excited to try to pull out a win, and we'll we'll play our best on defense. But they didn't have talented defensive players at a lot of positions. Maybe that maybe that burns them more this year or teams in that situation more this year. Yeah. Right. Um, And they also changed their dimensions in their outfield. And we're still trying to figure that part out. It looks like right center is closer. Left field is closer, but taller. Uh, And it's also asymmetrical. It's not like it's this perfect round arc. It's going to have juts out and all that weird bounces. I mean, you know, they're, they're really kind of hoping opposing outfielders who don't get a whole lot of time there, a whole lot of reps, We'll have a hard time adjusting it, whereas maybe their guys will. I mean, one of the big flaws in our plan is like Kiermaier is good for like 80 games a year, and then he's hurt the other 82, 84. It's the biggest, it's the biggest flaw in their plan. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And George Springer is not exactly Mr. Durable. No, so, no. So. But they're putting him in right field to try to pre- preserve him perhaps a little bit too, though. Yeah, until he runs into one of these new walls or yeah. something like that. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> color me skeptical on that. But you're right, Kevin Kiermaier – hasn't played 130 games since 2015. So you can just build in him missing anywhere from 40 to 60 games probably uh, this season. So so that this elite defense may end up being maybe not elite, but maybe it'll be elite by the postseason if he's healthy. Right. But, um, but maybe not elite, but still really good. Could like when he's out all of a sudden Varsha or Springer moved to center and it's still a good defense. That's right. Yeah. You're listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, I'm Jeff Erickson. He's Fred Zinke. We're going to talk about the first round player that Fred Zinke won't draft. But first, a quick note from our sponsor, Underdog. The fantasy baseball season is underway, and there's no better place to play than Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy baseball. Right now, Underdog has MLB best ball tournaments live, including the Dinger, which has $500,000 in total prizes. In best ball, all you do is join a, join a contest, draft your team, and that's it. There are no waivers, no trades, and no in-season management. Draft 20 rounds of players and get the best cumulative scores in your starting lineup. Three pitchers, three infielders, three outfielders, and one flex each week of the regular season. Getting started is simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com, sign up with promo code RWMLB, and not only will Underdog double your initial deposit up to $100, but you'll also get six months of our RotoWire subscription for free. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code RWMLB. Draft your $100,000 Dinger team today. All right. Thanks to Underdog. Uh, we'll post that link, too, when we post the uh, podcast. You can check it out yourselves. Uh, you can check out that, that special offer. We, big thank, they're, they're, we appreciate Underdog joining us this year. All right, Fred. Let's not uh, – I'm, I'm going to make sure this isn't clickbait. Who is the first-round player that you are not drafting? Uh, so mine is Bobby Witt, uh, who actually, okay. it, and I didn't even have to push to the edges on this. Like Bobby Witt's January NFBC ADP is eighth overall. So yeah. it's not even like I had to push to pick 13 or 14 or 15 to, you know, my first round guy that I won't draft. So right. like he's comfortably in the first round. His min pick is fifth in, uh, in, in January. So I went by January NFBC ADP, 104 drafts. Which is amazing, actually, that there are 104 drafts in January. I know. <laughs> God love fantasy baseball degenerates. We are yes. two of them. So <laughs> the NFBC is just they—they they love us. They Non-stop. love this. This community loves them, and yep. we love them right back. They give us this chance. 
I just so, finished a couple of slow drafts already myself. Right. So yeah. So fifth overall was is his min pick. Uh, his twenty his max is his twenty first. I wouldn't take him. I don't think I'd take him in round two, either. So this is how I see Bobby Witt um, and why I wouldn't pick him in the first round. Obviously, Bobby Witt's a really good young player. Like you're not going to find someone in the first round of ADP where you're like, well, that guy's just not very good. Like obviously, he's a good young player. Great is probably going to have an awesome career. But when I looked at him, I thought, here's what I thought. So uh, first of all, he's not going to get any favors from his lineup, right? Like, like, I don't think the Royals are yet, like they're improving offensively. They've got some pieces maybe now with him and Pasquantino, Melendez, Perez. Like it's not the worst lineup in baseball, but I don't think his lineup is going to help him to have massive totals and right. runs and RBIs. Last year, he played 150 games. He had 82 runs, 80 RBIs. He could probably beat those, but I don't think he's heading to 100 or something in, in those th- in those totals yet in that lineup. The park's not going to do him any favors, right? Kansas City's not a great park for hitting right. home runs, so the park's not really going to do him any favors. Um, he hit 254 last year, which is with a 295 BABIP. So that BABIP is actually reasonable it could be a little higher but reasonable with the shifts last year 254 is not a good batting average i know it's better than league average but it's not the kind of batting average you're looking for from a first round pick um is he ready to really pump up that batting average i'm not so sure like his strikeout to walk rate last year was not very good 30 walks and uh and 135 strikeouts so i'm not sure if he's someone really like i don't see him as someone who's necessarily ready to just take off from the batting average average category and all of a sudden hit 285 or something this year. Um, I was just pulling up to see what his stat cast. Yeah. His XBA last year was 252. So it kind of says stat cast is kind of saying the 254 was deserved. His right. OBP is 294 like last year. Like that is re- really, really bad for a first round type player to not even have a 300 on base percentage. And again, a, th- a 300 on base percentage in a cr- an average to below average lineup is not going to lead to a massive run scored total. Um, his steals are obviously super valuable and I think he can steal 30 bases again. And I projected him to do that, but the 30 steals again, 30 steals with a sub 300 on base. Like you got to be running a lot because you're not getting on base a ton. Like he, he's someone who needs to walk more maybe to really accentuate uh, that speed part of his game. Um, home runs, he hit 20 last year. Again, I don't love the park for a home run hitter. Obviously, Sal Perez showed us that people can hit, put monster home run totals playing for the Royals, but but I don't know if he's ready to make a major power leap. So I had him going up from 20, but not tremendously. Uh, when I look at the projections on fan graphs, most of them have him around 20. If I was to average them all, I'd say he's got 23 homers in a lot of the which is what i have by the way is 23 homers right so 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 if i just forget about me and just look at his fan graphs projections and just kind of average them out and i'll eyeball them 23 homers high 20s for steals they have them maybe like 20 if i average it about 27 i'm okay with going to 30 but they have about 27 batting average we about 260 262 um and then the runs uh 85 or so rbis about the same about 85 so that's good but i just don't see that as a first round player and i know that like what a lot of people are probably seeing is that bobby witz you know 22 turning 23 had a solid rookie year like a better fantasy rookie year maybe than a real life rookie year like a 722 ops is is fine but it's it's not special he's a really good prospect 
Um, so I'm, and I'm not going to argue that. I just think, and, and what, the other thing, and I, I heard Scott Pianowski talking about this on a podcast today, just reminding us of this, and is that improvement for young players is never linear. It's almost never linear. Right, right. Right? So, so I think a lot of people just look at this and are like, well last year he hit 20 home runs he's a young stud he's going to hit 25 this year he's going to steal 35 bases the batting average is going to go to 270 you know the runs and rbis are going to go to 95 or 90 or something like that it's just going to going to creep up each year for five or six years then level off and then slowly taper down it just doesn't work that way like the odds of him having a sophomore slump are probably just as good as the odds of him having a big breakout this year. So for me, the, the counterpoint just, to that though is yeah. that, and sorry to interrupt, but no, no, go ahead. It, it's not linear, but it also means it could spike up to 280. Yep. You know, and if he does that, then then you're getting count, you're getting runs and RBIs in the 90s. You're getting the big jump in stolen bases. Yep. I mean, I, I think it can work both ways. And the whole point is with Wit, you're betting on pedigree a little bit. Yep. He finished poorly last year. And I was, that was but, another concern that I hadn't mentioned yet, but yeah, but, his second, not that I want to play first half, second half with a lot of players, but his, just looking at it from a rookie perspective, like, is he someone who seemed to figure it out as the season went along? No, his second half OPS was 685. So maybe he slowed down late because he got tired. It's his first major league season. He played 150 games. I don't know, but I don't, I just, when we're talking about picking someone in the range of Jordan Alvarez, one of the best hitters in baseball, you know, Mookie Betts, who's really good every year, Vladimir Guerrero, Freddie Freeman. Like, I just don't know. I'm not chasing steals this year to the degree where I'm going to pass up studs like that for, you know, the chance that Bob, Bobby Witt breaks out. I think Bobby Witt would have to break out to justify this ADP. I, I think you're right about that. I think you are right about that. I am persuaded. I mean, I have him at like 11 or 12 right now. Okay. Um, and I did take him in one NFBC 50, uh, which is a 12-teamer 50-round draft. Mm-hmm. No free agents in that one there. Mm-hmm. I, I've since come to the, you know, I, I, you know, and this is like, and that's the thing is I do these early drafts. I feel like, okay, this is how the team looks, fits, fills out. I don't know if I like that as much, or, as much anymore. Or just I think a little bit more about it. I have more time to think about it. No more football for me. Yay. Mm-hmm. Although I'm still talking football on there, but you know, it, it's no longer like 95 football, 5% baseball yeah. or 90, 10 or whatever it is. It's a lot more baseball oriented. Um, and I, I'm persuaded. I'm also persuaded that I'm going to draft Juan Soto later than I had him earlier in the in draft season. Like I did a gla- one of those gladiator drafts. I only did one. It was awesome. It's fun. But I took Soto in the first round. I, and if I did it all over again, there were others I would take before him where, when I took him. Um, that's the guy I'm a little wary about with the first round price. Um, give me Freddie Freeman ahead of Soto right now, for instance. Same, same here. Yep, for sure. I, yep, I'm not a, I have Soto higher than Wit. I feel like Soto is, I, I guess it's hard to say he's safer since he kind of stunk from a fantasy perspective last year. So, mm-hmm. but I do think he is safer. Like, I just think he's a way better baseball player at this point than Bobby Witt. Like, just like we're, he's someone who a year ago we were talking about is maybe the best pure hitter in baseball and like he's so young he get right back in that discussion this year so i do have so i'm of the same thinking with soto i'm more comfortable taking soto but i'm i will probably have no soto because i just have some players ahead of him who are going after him who are going to block me from taking him i just uh, yeah i i'm just not sure that and again now like petco park is not going to help him it's no it's not right where did it rank i think 29th last year 
right. on baseball savant among park factors. So it's not going to help him. But I do get that once Machado's back, like that could be it could be a pretty cool lineup with Soto and Machado, and right, it just it would keep going. Now they got Bogarts. It could be a really cool lineup. But they could. I'm not. I'm just not there. The other thing with Soto is I'm still trying to figure out what his path is to being like. Like if you're going to risk him in the top 10, what's his path to being like a top two or three player? Cause that has to be in the range of outcomes. I think with him Okay. coming off coming off a year where he hit 242. If I'm going to take him in the top 10, I have to feel like there's a, I just haven't seen that yet. So he hasn't hit 30. I know he's so young still. He hasn't hit 35 homers yet. He's not a huge base dealer. Maybe with the easier base stealing, he can get a dozen steals or something like that, but he's not a huge base stealer. Um, I don't know. I just, I, what's his path? Is his path winning the batting title? I guess his path is probably almost like winning the batting title and, and hitting like 35 home runs. And scoring a hundred billion runs. 110 uh, runs or something like that. Right. Yeah. That's his path. You're right. right. And chipping in some steals. Yeah. yeah. All, he, you know, last year he went in saying he wanted to run more and then didn't really, I mean, I, part right? of the issue I think is just, you know, in Tal Wars, he's great. It's OBP. You know, the, yeah. the discord between or the disconnect, I should say, between real life and fantasy is illustrated there with OVP. All yeah. those walks we hate in fantasy, but, you know, you know, you get some more runs, but we, we don't get what well, the you know, we don't get the production. We don't get the batting average. We don't get the the the, the counting stats nearly as much. We certainly get fewer homers. So even though it's good ball, it's, it's what you want him to be able to do. But he almost got even in real life, got a little too passive. And I think especially, you know, that, that hit him during some of his slumps. There was some talk about that where he is passing up on pitches that he normally would pound. I, I think that there, there's a good chance he breaks out of that too. I mean, yep. with the full season in San Diego, they're no longer having the trade circus, you know, yep. hovering so around him. Yep. I, that whole, that whole sequence, the contract negotiations, very public contract negotiations. I'm talking myself into him by the way, right now. Um, <laughs> You know, that, that could have been a big drain on his production. It could have been one of those things where, you know, okay, it really hurt him a lot. Uh, young player like that, never been through that cycle before. All of a sudden, he's got all this attention, some of, not all of it positive. Uh, that that might have affected how he, how he uh, performed. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Freddie Freeman taking him over him, and I, I'm with you on that. I what One thing I thought is that maybe – like a good Soto season is just kind of is what Freddie Freeman's mostly been the last few years, Mm -hmm. right? Like Freeman's hitting 300 pretty much every year. Uh, And some years in the last few years hitting like last year hit 325. So it's like, like being among the batting average leaders, Freeman, his power was down a bit last year, but in general, the last few years, he's like a 30 Homer guy uh, who scores a hundred and something runs. He's been over a hundred, over 110 in three of the last four years, the other one being the shortened season where he scored 51 times in 60 games. So he's been a run scoring machine. I feel like Freeman's not that old. Like before I, before I say, well, maybe Soto can really click this year and just be just like Freddie Freeman. Why don't I just draft Freddie Freeman? Yeah. And Freeman, by the way, is not going to be like a massive power guy either. There. No. So it's kind yep. of nasty. Yep. I think, you know, we're going to be chasing power again a little bit. I think with, you know, yep. all these changes, we're, we're, you're going to have a bump in stolen bases. I think it's important to get that power and find the high average power where you can. 
Yeah, and if you're and when we're now going back to what we were talking about with with working on projections and the changing of the rules. So the steals are going to be hard to project because we don't know exactly how this is going to play out. The batting average is a little harder than usual project to project because with the shifts, we don't know exactly. We're trying to go player by player and you know who's going to benefit the most from the changes. Um, but I guess out of all the skills, the power numbers are the ones that maybe are, if anything's the easiest to project, maybe it's the power numbers. I mean, maybe they'll change the baseball <laughs> and it'll ruin all that too. But if they don't change the baseball, there doesn't, unless I guess it would be hitters approaches changing with mm-hmm. the lack of shifts. And maybe some guys don't sell out for power quite as much, but there's no other reason to think that the power is all of a sudden going to massively change. So maybe chasing power, is a little more bankable. Like when I just look near the top of my list, like we're trying to do all these factors. Maybe I just draft Pete Alonso and I just get the 40 home runs. Right? I, I got him in the second round of one of my drafts and very happy with that decision. I think that's a good thing, especially now that right center is a little bit better for him, more power friendly for him too. That's one of the parks that's changing a little bit in the favor in right center yeah. a little bit. I, you know, it's not his primary poll spot, but Hey, add one or two more homers. Great. Right. All the better. Right. Um, so maybe you just take him and then you start messing around with right. batting average and steals like with your subsequent picks and you just say, well, I'm just going to get a 40 homer anchor. That's something we used to do more. And then in fantasy baseball, and then we've gotten away from that because of the steel scarcity and the low batting averages. Maybe we come back to there a little bit. Right. Uh, in that same vein, a little bit there, you wanted to talk about Aaron judge some uh, that you thought he'd yeah. be the clear number one, or at least picked more frequently as a first uh, first pick. And he has been picked first sometimes, mm-hmm. but his ADP in January is like fourth, yep, uh, fourth or fifth, depending on where you look and what, uh, what you set your parameters at. But which is still really good. It's way above where he went last year, but it doesn't reflect how he was like head and shoulders ten dollars better than the next best hitter. I, I'm surprised. I, I thought, and, and to be clear, he's not number one on my, on my list. Right, uh, he's near the top. Like who's your number one? Uh, right now it's Acuna, mm. Ronald Acuna, uh, Acuna, sorry. Um, I'm debating that one, but I do think he's the one, if his knee is sound, who has the potential to put together like a 40, 40 sure. type type season. So right now he's a little risky. I might struggle with, with getting him if I had the first pick, I don't want the first pick this year. I don't know. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I, I do. I don't want the first pick. I'll, I'll pick fourth and I'll take whoever's left give me Acuna, give me Acuna, sorry, give me Judge, give me Trey Turner, Jose Ramirez, whatever. Julio Rodriguez. No, no Julio? I was just going to yeah, ask. Yeah, he, he's in there too. Yep, just, so give me five. Yep, give me five. I would even though take four and then I could have a choice of a couple of them. But yep, five is good. I don't really want to pick first this year at all, but I did think like Judge's stats last year were insane. <laughs> like 60, over 60 home runs, over 130 in each of runs at RBIs. And he stole bases, yeah. right? And he hit 311. And I know there, I don't, so I was, I really thought that he would be number one in the ADP list this year. I know there's some injury history there, but, and I, I have dinged him for that over some the years. Some injury history. I think you're, but the uh, last two years, there hasn't been. Just a little bit there. For sure. But the last yeah. two years, there hasn't been, you know, 157 yeah. games last year, 148 the year before, which is totally That's pretty fine. Darn good. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, obviously there's going to be massive regression, but massive regression could still be 45 home runs. It could still be 110 or 115 runs and 110 or 115 RBIs. It could still be a d- double digit steals total. 
It could still be a 300 or 290 average. It's still a great park to hit in. It still should be a team that has an above average offense. Like I really thought that he would be number one. And I'm really surprised. I'm surprised he's not, but I'm not. And I'm not actually saying that it's dumb that he's not, because I don't think I, I don't know if I would take him first either. I'd certainly, I'd strongly consider it, but, but I really thought he would be number one just because last year he was so far ahead of the pack. He, he's not old, right? Like he's going to turn 31 in the first month of the season. Yeah. I, I thought he would be number one. It makes sense. I understand why some people are reticent to go that route. Mm-hmm. He hasn't dropped any lower than eight. Though, What's so stopping I mean, them? Do you think is is it worrying about his, his injury history playing? for yeah. sure? I yeah. think just the whole inclination of, okay, that was his best year. There's gotta be some regression as you know, Scott Pianowski has always says regress to what is the question though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, that, that, that's always, you know, regression. Yes. Is, is there it's baked in, but you regress them. A lot of projections that do regress and still have a number one. Um, you know, right. and that, that's the thing that makes it so complicated, so challenging. I mean, you really have to, you, it, you can't do a systematic regression. You have to kind of almost manually tweak it. My formula has them number one. Um, so, but and would you take them number one? I, I might. Yeah. I, ha- I haven't been put to that test yet. Yeah. I've been saying Trey Turner, to be honest, that that's usually the route I want to go. Honestly, though, I'm with you. Give me the five pick. Be, I'll be the yeah. nice guy. Uh, and then I get a better pick in the second round too, theoretically too. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I feel that I feel the same way. I, I, I mean, for me to say that I worry about judge with injuries and then I put a player ahead of him on my list in Acuna who like, like is deal was dealing with the recovery from knee surgery last year and, and said that his knee was impacting his play. Like, sure. come on, judge is not a bigger injury risk than the guy who was dealing with an injury throughout last season. Well, I have a Cunha 10. So, well, there that- you go. So, <laughs> so you're not thinking the knee bounces back right away and his power numbers, yeah. at least according yeah. to the formula. I mean, eh, you know, we'll see. I mean, it, the thing is with a lot of these players is tricky. Jose Ramirez is coming off an injury, by the way. Um, yep. it's something to watch to watch for, but I have him too. I mean, Turner three, I'm a little worried that, you know, those, all three of those guys are in their thirties though, uh, low thirties, but still plus judge just got paid. I mean, if you pay attention to Rick Wolf and Glenn Colton, they might warn yep. against that. Although less so when it's with staying with their own team, I think, I think, I think when, so too, yeah. with the, with their yeah. rules of engagement, but yeah, I'll have to ask them that one there, but, uh, more, you know, definitely new team, new, new contract. That's something you, you, you can tend to be wary about. And then you get them in year two. That's the corollary mm-hmm. also. Um, want to talk about, you mentioned regressing. Uh, I know you want to avoid Robbie regressment. We're going to talk about that in a second here, that whole concept and who those guys are. But first, uh, a quick note from our friends at Fantrax who are on board. Um, Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Even do like college football. I did a college football league with them. Coming from another service, Fantrax makes it easy. Fantrax can import any of your current leagues and customize if needed. Fantrax offers the most in-depth player pool in the industry, including minor leaguers. Do you need a customizable commissioner service for your fantasy league? Fantrax offers more customization than any other platform. Waivers, categories, scoring system, schedule. Fantrax offers custom solutions for all that for more and more. And it's all free. You can sign up for free today and be entered to win an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Just simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X dot com 
slash rotowire. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. I'm here with uh, with uh, Fred Zinke. We are breaking down a lot of the things that we're looking at as, as part of our draft prep. Fred, you mentioned you want to learn. One of the things you want to do is avoid the Robbie Grossman, or as you call him, the Robbie Regressman uh, of 2023. The guy that broke out the year before, kind of out of line with all of his previous stats, had that breakout year. You don't want to get stuck on him the following year. Is that am I defining the concept right? Um, I would say it's also, or it's more specifically about personal bias. So mm-hmm. I think a common thing we talk about, you and Scott talked about this a bit yesterday or Sunday night, rather, um, I listened yesterday, um, was, okay. So if you, the, you know, the dead, first of all, on the opposite side of this is the dead to me player, right? He burned yeah. me last year. There's no way I'm going back to that guy. And then, or he's burned me once before. There's no way I'm going back to them. But then you know, we rule them out and then the player bounces back the next year and has the season that you expected him to have the previous year. And now you almost got burned by him twice. Right. You got burned by him on your roster. Then the next year you refuse to draft him and you got burned by him again. Um, so that one's common. I think the other one that I need to be more aware of, and maybe others need to be more aware of it too. So maybe this is a bit of a public service announcement, but it's the player who is on a lot of your rosters and then exceeds expectations. So, so like you nailed it right? You, you nailed this player as a late round value pick. It works out. It helps win you leagues. And then the next year, you know, the projection systems are screaming regression. Other people are screaming regression and you're just like stubbornly saying, no, no, this is my, that was me with Robbie Grossman last year. I was like, no way. Robbie Grossman's good. I know he's good because I knew he was good the previous year when Mm -hmm. no one wanted him. And when I could take him at pick, you know, 315, I was getting him everywhere. And then he had whatever it was about a 2020 season and helped me win leagues. So I was like, no, I know this guy, he's good. And now he's locked in. And I thought last year going into the year and I drafted and his ADP last year shot up and I had to get him in the top 150 or so, but I was willing to pay that. And again, the projection systems were saying, Fred, you're crazy. He's not going to repeat that season or anything close to it. And I did downgrade him a bit. Like I probably put him at 1717 or 1715 or something with homers and steals, but he was still a value pick where he was going. If, if you use my projections, well, obviously we know what happened. He fell flat on his face. Um, and it was my worst pick in a lot of leagues. I'm trying to be more aware of that. So I'm trying not to, I don't know if I have a, a lot of specific players on that. Maybe Anthony Santander's one okay uh, maybe jordan montgomery that's another one i had a lot of was expecting him to step up and he did i just want to be very aware that i'm not taking someone you know and ignoring the the projections and ignoring what everyone else is saying just because i think i've outsmarted the system because i did outsmart system on that particular player last year yeah i mean i did with dansby uh right his price has gone up but not like tremendously so either 75 or so 77 if i'm not mistaken um tell me more about santander because i I think i might have had him in one league but i you know i was never really fully aware of issues regarding him and why the systems don't like him yeah i've never i'd actually have always kind of been i've always kind of been a santander guy i don't know why but well i don't know i don't i can't say i don't know why like when i put him in when i do projections on him he usually comes out ahead of adp so that's why um i've always felt like there's there's a good amount of power there and the projection systems actually don't mind him for this year so he may not be the perfect example um 
like they do have him repeating most of his power output for last year. So, so he might not be a great example for that, but, um, but his power definitely did. I, his didn't come out of nowhere, but it's, it's 33 homers when he had never been over 20. Um, right. right. And, and, and that was in a season where, uh, you know, Camden yards took away a lot of home runs and a lot of offense yeah, from players. So, so it didn't take it away. It didn't take it away from him. So he mashed lefties last year. Um, was just okay against righties, but but more you know, of his as, homers came against righties. That's true. Twenty-two right, out actually. of his thirty-three are against righties. Uh, yeah, but that's because he had a lot more played. I play. I, I think on a per plate appearance basis. Sure, he was sense. better, like much better, even for yeah. home runs against Slugged lefties. Five forty-eight against lefties, only four twenty against righties. Yeah, to, like that was like that was the point. thing. Camden was supposed to hurt right-handed batters mm-hmm. last year. And for him as a right-handed batter, he not just I'm doing overall, not just at home, but he had a 913 OPS and a 720 as a left-handed batter. So obviously, at, wow, to do that at Camden, like I'd have to parse out just what he did at Camden as a right-handed batter, but it must have been pretty good because he couldn't have done all that on the road. So, yeah. so he managed to be one of the guys who kind of overcame that. Anyways, he's someone who. Like I just want to, if I'm going to project something close to a repeat, I just want to make sure. Now he's someone also, he's a better fit. He's in his twenties still. In fact, he's, he'll be 28 for the entire season. So that's like a lot different than Robbie Grossman last year, right? Who was already into his thirties. And Grossman, I think did come with Grossman. I felt like the previous year, he kind of flashed the same skills he did. So then I was like, oh, he's just put it together over a full season. Like, here we go. Like there's no turning back now. And there was a lot of turning back. So I just want to be aware of that with players, especially players who had that like late career breakout in their thirties breakout. If I happen to nail them, I don't want to get carried away with that and be left holding the bag the next season. It doesn't mean I won't draft them, but I just, I don't want to go too far with that. That makes sense. Makes a whole lot of sense. Like I said, it's the opposite of the dead to me. Uh, fantasy situation, which is right. way more common because pe- people are way more vengeful. <laughs> yeah. so, I was, yeah. I defied the projection systems uh, with a lot of success on Kyle Hendricks until I didn't. You know, right. it, it's kind of funny. You know, it's like that. That's when I was loyal, 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 and then pfft, killed. Yeah, me. but Kyle Hendricks probably helped you place well in a lot of leagues for, for a lot of years, years yep. before yep. he let you down. Like if you just. If you had, like, I know people, there's some people kind of were last year were kind of taking a victory lap on Kyle Hendricks being like, see the last couple of years, right? Last two years, Mm -hmm. right? See, I told you like, he isn't actually that good. And it's like, well, sure. But for the previous like six years, like he was helping you win leagues. So I'll take six years of him helping me win leagues before in 2021, he had a really bad season. And then last year had a bad season and got hurt. So exactly. there are a lot of people who for, for five or six years were just waiting for the other shoe to drop and saying, I won't draft him. And then we're missing out on a low three ZRA. Exactly. Yeah. We're going to talk about a couple specific players at, uh, in positions. Uh, but first quick note from our friends on the blue wire network. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you to the Blue Wire Network. We always host our podcasts there. All right, Fred, we're going to hit a couple of topics for topics before we go out. You asked me, would I rather use a top 25 pick on a suspended Fernando Tatis Jr., a frequently injured Mike Trout, or a catcher, JT Real Muto? Um, your timing in asking this question is actually good because we did our Roto, we're doing our RotoWire roundtable rankings, and we're actually, you know, I actually submitted to, uh, today, and now we have to I have to do some couple tweaks, but it's going to go live tomorrow. So I actually had to make this decision, uh, at least not in a dra- not in a draft, but at least in terms of ranks. And that's kind of like, you know, when you do the individual like granular rankings, you're like, mm-hmm. okay, all right, would I actually take Tatis or would I take Real Muto? I I would take I would take Trout first, then Tatis, then Real Muto, but I would take all of them in the second round. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, I'll say me too, for sure. Okay. I might take Rayel Muto first. Um, I just he comes out really high when I do my projections. The top sure, catcher often does. Yeah. yeah, the top catcher often does the the ability to get something in the neighborhood of a twenty twenty catcher. You know, maybe it's a little more than twenty homers, a little less than twenty steals, something like that. But and who helps your batting average is pretty valuable. So um, Tatis, I just. If I thought Tatis, this this might change for me when spring training comes around. So if I knew for sure that the version of Tatis that's going to come back from the suspension is completely fully healthy, then I probably take Tatis because okay. the suspension's not that long at this point. I could wait, but he with his injury issues, that like I'm not sure. Like we can't be sure. So there are there there's a scenario there where you wait three weeks to get Tatis or whatever it is, three or four weeks, and then you get him, and then he's not 100%. And, yeah. right, we like we dealt with injuries with him last season, so even beyond the suspension. So that is holding me back on him a little bit. Um, Trout, I just have a feeling that I'm never going to have on my team again. Like, yeah, I, you least, said that last year. 
at least I haven't, I haven't had trout on any teams in years. Um, yeah. Maybe there'll be a time late in his career where his value is down and he's like a totally different player where no one really wants him. And right. Like, like you could have, I could have said, I'll never have Joey Votto. Well, now I could have Joey Votto if I wanted to, for example, yeah. like maybe there's a time late in Trout's career where, uh, where he's not valued. And, but I think, I don't know. I just, I don't how many, I don't know what you put in for your projections for him for playing time this year, but I couldn't go games. Pardon me. Sorry. 128. 128. Yeah. So I didn't go by games. I went by at bats, be, just factoring in for batting average. 470. I, I went 470. Exactly. So 470 is basically his high over the last five years. Uh, three, actually, sorry, six years. It's his high over the last six years. So I felt like I was being fairly generous, giving him to match his high total. Mm-hmm. over the last six years. And in that amount of at-bats, it seems like he could hit 40 home runs, not steal any bases unless something changes. And I gave him, I think, a pretty healthy batting average. I think it was two, oh, close to 300, which in the last few years, in three of the last four, he's hit 291, 281, 283, and three of the last four. And the other season was when he only played 36 games. So so I felt like 296 is, you know, it was pretty fair for him. Um, it's just the lack of playing time just knocks him down a bit and maybe I could build in some replacement level playing time because if he does miss a month, like I can use someone else for the month and maybe that then would push him ahead. That would push him ahead of real Muto. And then he would be my choice out of, out of those guys. But um, until I'm, if I was ever willing to go to 500 or 520 at bats, which is, is reasonable if he doesn't get hurt, he would shoot up my, he right. would all of a sudden be probably second in my home run list to Aaron judge. He might already be second, but he'd be like close to judge. Yeah. All of a sudden his runs and RBIs would be up in the high nineties. Then we'd really be talking. Then he would jump up where, where we have Juan Soto and, and where we have Freddie Freeman and guys like that. But, but it's, I just can't find a reason to put him there and there's nothing he can do in spring training to change that. That's true. That is absolutely. So true. I don't see why I move him. Like if I move him at this point, it would just be me buying some sort of hype that I probably shouldn't buy. Yeah. Well, the thing yeah. about Trout is, I mean, in 438 play uh, at bats, not played appearances mm-hmm. at bats, 40 homers. I mean, yep. yeah. Yep. And the Angels lineup was awful last year, and yep. he got, so he only got 80 RBI with those 40 homers. But I think it's a little better this year. I think kind of. I've kind of given up on believing that the angels are better. I've just been burned on that <laughs> the last few years. You've never been, you know what? You haven't, you, you don't, you haven't gone broke yet. Uh, believing that, uh, that that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I just this think, is the year Anthony Rendon stays healthy. I mean, yeah. yeah so that's my thing is kind of like, I just don't know around Trout. Like Otani's obviously awesome. I kind of like Taylor Ward, but like, he's not exactly someone you can bank on as a stud. Rendon. I don't think, I don't trust that he can stay healthy. Uh, Hunter Renfro's fine in like a hits home runs, but has like a 300 on base percentage. And then after that, like, holy well, moly, like, see, I think it's better now. I'm on the roster research, right? Resource right now. Yeah. You're not buying Brandon Dur- Drury. At uh, all, huh? Not really. No, not I like really. Hop, the catcher they got from the uh, Phillies and the just the, the read tr- the other day that he may start the season in the minors. And that was from, a, I forget where I saw that, but it was uh, maybe that. at the I'll athletic on that. Yeah, maybe at the, at the athletic, but it was saying that there's a chance that, it's, that it's not a certainty because they do have Max Stassi that there's not, it's not a certainty that he'll start the season in the majors. Um, either way, I just don't see him as a difference maker. Like again, roster resource has him at 12 homers and a 244 batting average. Sure. Um, I like Luis Renjifo, but not too. in a, not in a like 
offensive centerpiece kind of way. We don't know what we're going to get from Jared Walsh. I don't know. I just feel like that's a big one. That is yeah. a big one actually, because you know what they have, but they're, they're counting on like Joe Adele starting a year in the minors. Uh, but even like they have like Urshela on the bench. He, he can hit a little yeah. bit. I mean, I feel like this is a, a, you know, they're, they're not like, they don't have a firewall, but I think they're deeper than they've been in the past. Uh Maybe I'm maybe I'm wish casting. I don't know, but I feel like this is this is a uh, this is an improved lineup. It's and they they have the misfortune of being in the AL West, which is a pretty tough track. Disastrous uh, aren't going away. The Mariners yep. are improved. Um, the A's are just god awful bad, um, and the Rangers are trying to win. Um, yep. Trying. Absolutely. I don't know if they will. They they they're very top heavy in their lineup. Uh, like yep. I like the bottom guys in the Angels lineup better than the bottom guys in the Rangers lineup still, as a comparison point. Um, yep, I agree. Yep. Um, and yeah, and then, no, the bottom of the Rangers lineup is so bad. Yeah, shockingly. <laughs> Brad Miller, like Leody Tavares, Josh Smith, that is so bad. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, so, it's confusingly bad. Yeah, I I do think as a pure baseball comment, there's absolutely no way the Angels make the playoffs with the bullpen they have right now. Like I just it bothers me that Mike Trout makes the playoffs in his career so rarely. Like once um, ever. Yeah, there's no way with that bullpen that they have right now. I think I read I read the other day. I think it, it's ranked 29th in baseball mm-hmm. from the projection systems. Like like roster resource has one no sorry two relievers in that bullpen with a sub four. They have no relievers with a 3.90 ERA or lower. Nice. I see that. Um, oh. Although I, I'd bet the under on what they have for Carlos Estevez. I think he's a much better pitcher now that he's out of cores. We'll see. I mean, the track yeah. record of pitchers escaping cores actually isn't that good. That's I know. one thing that's kind of right shocking. You would think like, okay, he's out of course. They're almost like permanently damaged in a lot of yeah. cases. But you're right that the I Angels like lineup does have like maybe a bit of a floor now. They even have David Fletcher on the bench, who is just kind of a competent backup guy who can be yeah. a starter for for a week or sorry for a month or something if if there's an injury so i guess that maybe they have a little bit more of a floor where they're they won't be throwing guys out there who aren't really major league players mm-hmm. i don't know i don't i still don't love it yeah sneaky anyway. guy in their bullpen by the way chris rodriguez missed all of the season last year i think okay. he was he he would add a live arm to that bullpen that might be pretty interesting so there you uh, go. I, hot I, tip I, hot tip for the draft champions leagues yes huge, huge maybe too. They don't really have a closer, so you never know. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and they'll probably go six starters. You might see like Chase Silseth as their six because they have Shohei. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, their, their starting rotation was actually good last year. Uh, people don't realize that either, that they actually pitched well. It always used to be the pitching held them back. It was the offense that destroyed them last year. Rendon yep. getting hurt so early. Uh, no depth at all. I think they're, they're better. I mean, I think adding Renfro was a smart move. I liked, I liked adding Renfro. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But uh, anyhow, um, I think we'll s- save our other topics uh, for next week. Uh, you know, got a lot to talk. A lot of season. A lot of bandwidth Lots to talk time, about yeah. here, uh, especially owing to the start time here. You're you're about to turn into a pumpkin. It's almost midnight where you're at. So uh, we'll uh, let, you know. I know you have to get off to school tomorrow too. So uh, I do. My morning alarm's going off in about six hours. Okay. So. Well, <laughs> That sounds like a good sign. Want to thank everybody for chiming in. It's so fun to be talking baseball again and doing our regular rotation. We got James and Clay tomorrow. I'll be uh, with Jason Collette on Thursday. We're going to talk about some of his bold nice. predictions that series is running um, and get his take on some of the rule changes as well. 
And of course, uh, Clay and Todd on Friday. Uh, so I, I think it's, it may not be Clay and James on Wednesday. It might be just James with varying guests now that I think about it there, but prospect podcast tomorrow and maybe, you know, right, you know, in season stuff as well, because he's been doing a ton of that. Now, thank you so much for tuning in. Big thanks to fan tracks. Big thanks to underdog for joining us as well. We'll be back at you again next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Take care.